You're listening to the Hill City Teaching Podcast, a recording of the Sunday morning service at Hill City Church. We would love to have you join us in person. More information can be found at www.hillcity.church. Father God, more than anything, God, thank you. Thank you that you choose to use us broken humans um, to, to do some pretty incredible things. God, you call us to, to have faith well beyond our ability or our understanding. Um, God, in the midst of that faith, you do some pretty remarkable things in the hearts of our people. God, let us be that beacon of hope. God, let us deal with the junk of our lives and identify those things, God, for us so we can have those hard conversations with you. And dig into these things. God, we love you. We thank you that you speak. Holy Spirit, be in this place. We pray this in your son's precious name. Amen. So we started this series last week. And and I warned you going into it, hey, this may be a tough series. There may be some things about our lives that Jesus really wants to dig into. And last week we talked about forgiveness. And when unforgiveness shows up, the bitterness that takes hold of, of our hearts and and harms relationship and just cause more havoc and destruction rather than hope and restoration. Um, and the importance of digging into that idea of, of forgiving those that have harmed us, as difficult as that may be. Um, and when we don't, how that holds us back, right? We, we talked about this luggage hitting people and getting on the, in, in the way of people um, as we just work through it because we just haven't dealt with these things. We're going to continue that today as we continue through this series, right? We're going to talk about more hard things. I got off stage last week, and um, oftentimes I try to read your faces the best that I can uh, to see if you're getting it. Uh, and last week, I wasn't getting anything back. Uh, and I was like, mm, that sucks. Well, like it didn't land, whatever. We have plenty more. <laughs> this is just the beginning of Hill City. Um, coming to learn a lot of your internal processors, and if I'm getting the stone face, like you're probably processing something. Um, and... And I got that back. Like the text messages started to come out on Monday and on Tuesday. And like God's working on people. Um, He's reminding them of of things that they need to deal with and and work through and have those really hard conversations with God. So one, I'm proud of you for leaning in. But let's keep leaning in for for the sake of others, for the sake of us finding freedom, for the sake of us having hope. Uh, We'll be in Mark chapter 10 today. We call this the story of the rich young ruler. And the big topic, the thing we're going to try to get over this, this pride piece is pride. Good old pride. Uh, and we're going to come at it from a different angle. Uh, maybe not how you would expect it, but I think there's something in here that God wants to teach us. And I think there's something that God's trying to do. And I just realized we don't have any slides today because I never did that. Uh, I've been a little absent-minded this morning. Sorry. Uh, you're going to have to actually pull out your phones or your Bibles and look at Mark chapter 10 today. I know, so hard. Uh, Mark's towards the back of your Bible. If you have a paper Bible, you take that, cut it in half. Cut the back half again, you'll be in Matthew. Keep going towards the back, you'll eventually be in Mark. Mark chapter 10. If you get to like, I don't know, Romans, Corinthians, you've gone too far, go back. Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 17. Um, A little bit of background. Jesus just left a huge crowd of people. He had that interaction when the children tried to come to him and his disciples like, how dare you get away from you, you stinking children. And Jesus goes, how dare you, Uh, right? Like, let these little children come to me. I'm looking for this type of faith. And then he has this interaction with this man that we now call the rich young ruler. 
and verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell to his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is a good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. And you should honor your father and mother. Verse 20, teacher, he declared, all of these I've kept since I was a little boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And at this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. And Jesus looked around uh, and said to his disciples how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But he said it again, children, how hard it is, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. I think there's a handful of things that, that we can pull out of this, and we're going to try to pull out of this. This may be a little bit scattered, but we'll get there, I promise. Here's this rich young ruler. <clears throat> um, this rich young ruler that, for, for all its sakes and purposes, like he, he lived a good life, right? At least we think he did. That's what he said he did. There's a good chance that he probably didn't, right? There's a good chance he's probably disobeyed his parents at some point. There's a probably a good chance that he looked at that girl the wrong way, right? There's a probably a good chance that he sinned. He wasn't as perfect as he portrayed himself in the moment. Um, but he was a, a, a child of God. He was a, a Jew. He was a part of God's people. I mean, I think this is the first thing that we can learn from pride. It shows itself. We're going to just breeze over this because it's not as important as this other part of pride, but I want to at least cover it. It's this image that we try to create, right? It's that pride in us of like, we want to portray ourselves better than we actually are. I mean, that's where pride shows up oftentimes. And then we have this demanage, this image that we've created that's not actually who we are. And that just gets exhausting and it gets tiring. And eventually you're going to implode on yourself. It's going to happen. Don't do it. But there's, there's deeperness to pride here. There, there's something else going on here in this story. Because I, I think we relate more to the rich young ruler than we realize. Because I would look at him and say, well, I'm not rich, and I don't rule over anyone. I don't meet either of those two characteristics. But I am an American, and I really don't worry where my food comes from. I really don't worry if there's going to be a roof over my head. I really don't worry if I have a car to drive to work. Like, I don't worry about these things. I'm, I'm pretty rich. In comparison to the rest of the world, I'm, I'm mega rich. Like, I don't worry about these things. Maybe I don't have authority over people, but like, we can relate to the, ri the rich part. And we're all in the same boat. We can all find ourselves in this place. And we can be like, God, look at the good life that I've lived up to this point. And Jesus is like, great, that's awesome. But here's the big thing, and this thing's going to hurt. You know, it has nothing to do with the money. It has nothing to do with giving away his wealth. It has everything to do with the pride of control. See, when he had all this money, just like we do, we're in control of our lives. We don't need God to survive. We can live this life just fine without him. And that's the point Jesus was trying to make. This is why it's difficult for the rich to come to know Jesus. This is why it's difficult for those that, that don't have a need to come to that place where they can experience what God has for them in this kingdom. It's because we can take care of ourselves. And that's the truth. We all can. And this is what Jesus was trying to get across to him. He's like, 
I get you've got it. I get you, you know, you, you, can, you can take care of anything that comes your way. You're not worried about it. But I need your heart. Like, I, I, need, I, need, I need this piece. I need you to, to not want to be in control. So there's two things that pride says, and you can write these down. The first thing is this. I've got this. I've got this. I have a handle on this. I've got this. I don't need anyone. I'm good. I've got this. Right? And the second is, I think my way is better than God's way. Now, we don't say that, right? We're not that dumb. But our actions definitely prove it. God says, do it this way. And I say, oh, I'm going to do it this way. Or God says, hey, I want you to go have this conversation. You're like, but God, look at all these reasons why I can't. Or God's saying, hey, go spend time with your community. And you're like, mm, but God, I'm really tired. I have a headache, and I've worked a really hard day. Right? We come up with all these excuses, and they're legitimate good excuses. That's the reality of it. But it's not aligning with what God's asking of us, and that's when we miss it. Right? That's when we're saying, my way, God, is much better than your way. Your way makes no sense. Your way means I'm going to have to sacrifice a lot, and I don't want to do that. Right? That's how pride shows up in our lives. So what starts to happen, if that's how pride's showing up in our lives, how do we fight it? Right? Sell off everything? It's a possibility. There's probably easier ways to come to the conclusion of it. The beautiful thing about this story, some scholars believe, and we don't know if it's true or not, it's just an idea, that the grave that Jesus was buried in um, was purchased by this man. So there was a circle where he came to realize he didn't have to sell off everything in that sense, but he did need to have a kingdom mindset for what he had. He better start giving it away. Right? There was a mind shift that started to happen. It wasn't about what he could do for himself. It was, I'm going to just start following God and create a dependence. And that's the key right there is dependence. Like you want to fight these things in your life, you have to create a dependence on God in your life. Well, how does, what does that look like? Well, let's give you some examples. Mark chapter 12, if you keep going, a couple more chapters in, in your Bible. Verse 41, I want you to see this, this heart playing against and fighting against pride. Verse 41, it says this, Jesus sat down opposite um, where <clears throat> the place was where offerings were put, um, and he watched the crowd put their money into the temple treasury. Many people threw in large amounts. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins worth only a few cents, calling all his disciples uh, to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you that this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, out of their abundance, about what they could, what they can control. I added all that. That's not there. But she, out of her poverty, out of her sacrifice, put it in everything, all that she had to live on. Money is really easy to talk about in this area because, whoo, do we love our money? I'm right there with you. I love my money. I love where it goes. I love to control where it goes. I love to give God his 10% so I feel good and I can do whatever I want with my 90. But there's more to it than that, right? It's the sacrificial giving. And I think there's something to giving of our finances, giving of our money that really starts to work on our hearts, really starts to change the way that we view life and how we operate. That it really starts to be more of, of I want to, to do what God wants to do for the kingdom and not just what I want to get out of this life. That shift starts to happen. And here's this woman that, that gave from desperation. She gave it all out. She created the dependence 
on God. I can give my tithe check without much issue. I can cut it and it goes, and you're like, okay. But if I'm going to give above and beyond that, and that means I have to choose, maybe I'm not going to Starbucks as often. Or maybe, maybe I'm not going to do these things, or maybe I'm going to change this cell phone plan, or maybe you know, instead of going out to eat, we're, we're going to eat this. Or instead of maybe eating your, your normal you know, meals for the next three weeks, I'm just going to eat beans and rice. Because I want to create a dependence on God. And I want to give that things away. That's sacrificial giving. There's something in that that our hearts start to change. And if you're sitting there like, oh, Josh, you're just going to talk about money. You're going to give it to the church. I don't care where you give it. I do care that give is given to a church. I think that's where it needs to go. But like, if you need another church to, to give to and that will that'll make you feel more comfortable about the conversation, then that's fine. I will give you a list of churches that you can give to. What I care about is your heart in the giving. Right? It's giving up control. It's not saying I've got this anymore. It's creating space in your life where you're like, God, I don't know if I can have this if I'm giving this to you, but I'll figure it out. I'll have faith that you're going to provide. I'll have faith that you're going to show up. I'll walk with you in this. I don't know what it looks like, and I don't know how it ends, but I do know you're in the midst of it, and I'm going to choose to give that way. Right? Paul has this conversation with God in, in 2 Corinthians. It's recorded. And I'll just read you the verse, but God says to Paul, he says, my grace is sufficient for you. What I've given is, is good enough. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. If I'm in control of my life, if I've got this, if I'm doing it my way rather than God's way, I'm not going to see the power of God in my life. And this circles back around before what I was talking about before we started the message. Right? You have an impact that you have an opportunity to make on those around you. You don't get that impact. You don't get that opportunity if you let pride run the show. If you let you run the show. It's that humility and realizing, I don't have this. And when I do have it financially, I, I give it away so I can create that dependence. Another practical way we can do this, we, we can talk through fasting. Cutting out why fasting is so important. You're cutting out food from your, from your life to create a dependence on God because guess what? We all need food. Um, I'm, I'm one that fasts for a pretty long time. I've done it a handful of times in my life. The last time that I did it, I came out of it and there wasn't really a lot to it and I'm talking to God about it. And what I realized was I, could, I just learned how to be good at fasting. Like, that's what I figured out. I figured out what to do, what not to do, so I could just survive. I wasn't creating a dependence on God. I wasn't saying, God, I need you to show up in this moment. Like, this is what fasting does. Some people fast for, you know, one day a week every day. And that's the, the desperation that they're trying to create. This, this, this need to rely on God to get them through that day because they're just torments or a bear if they have no food in their system and they got to fight against all this, right? That's dependence. Or maybe it's a couple of days you're going to fast, and in the midst of that couple of days, you're, instead of trying to figure out how to, how to work through it and, and survive through it, you're, you're just sitting in the midst of it. And even though you have the headache, you're, you're trying to seek God in the midst of it, creating dependence. This is why these spiritual disciplines matter. This is why giving matters. This is why fasting matters. Because it's forcing us as rich people, whether we want to believe it or not, to create dependence on God. And this is the point that he tried to get to with, with the rich young ruler. He's saying, I need your heart. I need you not to be able to take care of yourself. I know that's terrifying. I know that's scary. 
But this is where faith is built. You want to accomplish great things for the kingdom? You want to see God move in hearts and in lives all around us? This is where it comes from. Us saying, you know what, I don't have this, and I'm going to purposely not have this because I need God to show up. Because the dreams I have for my life are so minuscule of the impact that we could have when God intervenes. And we want to be that type of community that's, that's, that's faith-driven. That we have big dreams that we feel like God has given us and we chase them and do our part, right? Do the hard work, pray for God to bring it, but have the faith that God's going to do something crazy. And he has. Look at Hill City's story up until this point. I think of just the life transformation that's had in so many of our people. You're different people than you were three months ago. You're different people than you were six months ago. Because you chose just to walk with Jesus. You chose to walk in this community that's going to point you back to Jesus. You let him change you from the inside. And we have a long ways to go in that change. But he's done so much already. And we're in a building with a great uh, raid in terms of what we're going to pay for this space. We were given months free and even more months at at a reduced rate. No churches start with church buildings. That's weird. That doesn't happen. Sure, it creates its own stresses in my own life, but that's a faith journey. The impact we're already having, the friends, the conversations that you're having with people, just reflect back on what those things are doing. I think of Peter and the conversations you're having over and over with these these people that just don't know Jesus yet. And to think where you're at today compared to you were just six months ago, you're a different person. Like God is doing a work. But the work comes when I start to realize, like, I can't depend on what I can do. I've got to bring God into the picture. And if I'm going to bring God into the picture, I have to start relying on Him and creating desperation for Him. Whatever that may look like. The easy way to do it, start, start giving if you're not giving. Give more if you're already giving. Or start to fast and practice that practice. If you've never done it before, go, go 48 hours. And you're like, gosh, Josh, I couldn't do 48 hours. I know, but let God do it with you. We got to start creating that dependence so our faith increases. And we have to remember how God has already got us to where we're at to see where he's going to go. The impact is is immeasurable. The things he's going to be able to do in this community, though small, who knows where we're going to be a year from now. If we grab a hold of these things and say, no, I'm not not relying on what I can do. Because what I can do, guys, we've done it. This is it. This is what I can do as a church planner. It's to gather this amount of people in a room. That's the end of me. That's all I've got. God's got to show up from here on out. But we need people full of faith. Not choosing their own way, not choosing pride, not just saying, God, I think my way is better than your way. It's saying, God, I don't know where you're leading this, but I'm going to follow you in the midst of it. And I'm going to look for ways to create dependence on you as you asked from the rich young ruler. I know this is a scary topic. I know the things that God may be pushing on you right now, you're terrified to do. I get it. I did it this morning. I felt like an idiot. That's what God asked me to do, so I did it. (laughs) It's always going to be better doing it God's way. But I think all too often pride shows up, and we go, no, I think my excuses, God, are better than your way. This makes no sense. God, I think if if I felt the safety of having my job, that's, that's a lot more important than following you. I know that's important, but like, I can't follow you if I don't have a job. God's bigger than that. God has a handle on those things. But this is the type of faith he's calling us to. 
It's, it's realizing the pride as it shows up. As it shows up, talk to Jesus about it, just like you did last week, and you're going to continue to do as you talk about forgiveness and what that looks like. But we want to have impact. We want to see others' lives transformed and changed. And that's us getting over us, getting over what we can do on our own and creating a dependence on God. That's going to fight your pride real quick. Don't get me wrong. This is a scary journey, and it's not fun. This isn't one of those journeys like, yay, rainbows and sunshines all the way. God just takes care of everything. No, there's some dark, dark, dark moments where you're like, God, I'm not sure you're coming through on this one. But it's in those moments that you bring your community around you, you let them know what's going on, and we, we, we fight it together. That's the beauty of the church. That's what we're called to be. And the impact we're going to have, guys, I don't know what God's doing, but there's so much change in our own hearts. He's about to do something big. We're about to see that take off. And I'm stoked and excited to be a part of it with you. I'm stoked and excited to see what God's going to continue to do in your heart. But lean into those hard conversations. Figure out what that next step is that's going to create that dependence for you. If it's starting this, this relationship with Jesus and that's the first step, hey, let's take that step. Whether you've been going to church your whole life or not, maybe, maybe that's the piece. You just haven't actually given Jesus your, your heart. You haven't said, Jesus, I really do believe that you are the Son of God and you are the Lord of my life. I really do believe that you died and you rose again and that you are my Savior. And if that's where you're at, make that decision, pray that prayer, and then let's get you baptized. We'll make it happen. Come find one of the leaders and we go into communion. But let me pray for us. Father God, God, you are doing a work here, and for that, we give you great praise. You're shifting hearts and minds, and God, we're dealing with the junk of our lives and learning how to get over it so we can get back to you, get back to our relationship with you as you actually designed it to be. Um, Holy Spirit, just continue to fill our hearts and in this place. Um, God, thank you that you are our helper, that you give us wisdom, that you guide our paths even when it doesn't make sense even when it feels crazy. But God, the impact on the other side. God, I don't know what you're calling us to. We hold those dreams pretty loosely. But God, you are at work and we're excited to see and be a part of what you're about to do. But God, prick our hearts in those places that we're holding on to pride. Prick our, prick our hearts in those places that we're trying to control it all. And God, teach us how to give it to you. God, we love you. God, we thank you. God, it's crazy you let us do this with you. God, be with us the rest of the service. Be with us as we approach your throne through communion. We pray these things in your son's precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hill City Teaching Podcast. We hope it was helpful to you to become a more devoted disciple of Jesus. More information can be found at www.hillcity.church.